These are Grindstaff Publishing audio files. Room to Roam, Chapter 20, Home. Once checked in, I walked through the quiet hostel to a small private room. As the door closed behind me, the journey I had just undertaken began to set in, but it was 5 in the morning and all I wanted to do was sleep. Dropping my things to the ground, I fell under the bed, clothes and all, and passed out. Around 10, I woke with blue skies and snow greeting me out the window. I smiled and thought back to the gigantic circle the past three months had been. The next day I would be boarding a plane taking me away from the continent which had been my home for three months, away from the tremendous journey I had undertaken and back to the home I was not yet ready to re-enter. After experiencing that kind of freedom for so long, the prospect of going back to a normal life seemed foreign and absurd. I checked my plane ticket anyway and sent my mom an email. Regardless of the heady thoughts racing through my brain, home was home and it beckoned. With a strange apathy, I left the hostel sometime in the early afternoon to walk around Reykjavik. It wasn't that I didn't want to be in the city, I sincerely did, but the finality of the trip was immense and weighed strangely on my shoulders in a way which manifested itself in a kind of stagnation of emotion. The snow crunched underneath my boots, the same boots which had treaded across Austrian Alps, over sandy beaches and through countless bars, as I made my way toward the Hallgrimskirtska, the sloped church which had been my first tourist destination of the trip. Stopping for only a moment, a flood of visuals washed over me. Using Icelandic money to pay to get to the top, renting the car, traveling through the countryside, it was all there in a flash. As I continued onward, little things triggered these visual memory roller coasters. They made me nostalgic and left wanting to go back to that person those months ago, filled with worry and anxiety of what lie ahead. The person who was standing in those same boots was different. He had seen things and learned things and was completely confident in whatever obstacle stand in the way. I had left that anxiety behind and replaced it with the feeling of conquest and, strangely, a feeling of been there, done that about Reykjavik. Perhaps it was because I knew how easy it would be to find another adventure, how easy it was to jump on another plane and fly anywhere else in the world. Throughout those thoughts, I had kept wandering over the slippery sidewalks and found myself in the shopping district amongst the throngs of tourists, gazing into the shops, admiring trinkets and postcards. I bought a few last-minute souvenirs, found a quiet spot for coffee, sipped slowly, then wound my way back to the privacy of my hostel room. With scarf tucked tightly around my neck, I watched the sunset droop slowly over the hills, extinguishing the light from my last full day in Europe. The next several hours were spent compiling notes, making lists of stories to write, and drinking cheap, low-alcohol beer, which tasted like it had come from a lame sheep. Morning came as it had the previous 94 days, full of light and promise. I checked my flight information, everything was on time. The sky was blue and the weather crisp. I ventured once more into the innards of Reykjavik, soaking up the last hours of Europe. Back at the hostel, I sat in the common room with my ragged day pack, which had turned into my only pack, while I waited on the airport shuttle to pick me up. As I sat there in the quiet serenity of finality, a group of young, fresh-faced Australians burst into the room having just arrived. The juxtaposition of their air of adventure couldn't have been more different than my feeling of something which had come to an end. They sat behind me, cracking beers and poring over the map of Iceland which lay before them. Their emotions were magnetic and infectious. I turned around and started a conversation with them, as is common in the common ruins of all the hostels I had been, and talked about their plans and how long they were planning on staying in Iceland and other trivialities of travel which to those involved couldn't be farther from trivial. 
All of us laughed and got giddy with stories and proclamations and promises, and before long, my shuttle driver walked into the common room to see a bunch of young fools drunk off their own journeys. I said goodbye to the people in the Icelandic hostel's common room and wished them all the best and safe travels. We had known each other for less than an hour, but it felt like a bond which had lasted years. The drive to the airport wasn't long as we picked up six other passengers and skirted the countryside and the ocean. My eyes were glued on everything all at once. I wanted to be sure I soaked every bit of Iceland in as I could, trying to maximize my last hours of the trip like a greedy addict savoring the last drops in the bottle. I walked past a baggage spot which had been the impetus of my bag lost months ago, made quick work at the airport security, much easier sober than severely hungover as I had been before, and found my terminal with plenty of time to spare. The plane was on time when I found my window seat. Before I knew it, the plane was soaring, and I watched the ground grow smaller beneath us as we flew northwest. It was to be a seven and a half hour, non-stop flight over the North Pole and into Seattle. Since we left at 4.30pm Iceland time, we would be time traveling at the exact speed the time zones were changing, which meant the beautiful pink haze of just before dawn cast its light over Greenland, eastward through western Canada, soaking the mountains of northern Washington until darkness fell and the Seattle lights flickered near. The plane touched down onto the tarmac and shuttled smoothly to the gate. My heart raced. I was home. With passport clenched in hand, I nervously walked to customs. The experience entering the UK had scarred me, and for many agonizing minutes I shuffled my way toward the customs agents worrying they wouldn't take me, sweating over all the possibilities of not getting to go home. With a simple sign, I scanned my passport through an automatic machine and was granted access to America. The flood of relief shot through me like a kind of adrenaline injection as I bounded down escalators and passed people I deemed too slow. The next flight was from Seattle to Portland. Through the night's darkness, I stared out the window, watching the blinking light on the plane's engine flash, then light up the downpour of rain around it, only to dim, then repeat the action. With my music blaring and not wanting to sleep, I stared at the spectacle with burning eyes. The next leg of the trip was on a much smaller plane, one with exposed engine blades of which I had never actually flown, which flew us from Portland to Pasco, Washington. The man next to me was a seasoned business traveler, and we spent our time drinking complimentary beers, talking over one another in great excitement about all manner of things. Turbulence hit a few times, sloshing our beers but not getting in the way of our stories. Our small plane landed in the ever smaller airport and I wished my compatriot the best as I hurried off the plane onto the wet tarmac of the Pacific Northwest. With legs racing and eyes burning from lack of sleep and excitement at being home, I climbed the steps, hurried through the mostly empty airport with sleepy janitors along their business and airport staff leaning on elbows. I turned around corners, passed through gates, and with a start saw the meaning of home. With teary eyes and big smiles, my mother, grandmother, and sister were standing there waiting for me. Tears welled in my dry eyes as I reached for my mom and gave her a great hug. We all embraced and smiled wide. It was official. I was home. We drove to my grandmother's house in a cacophony of noise, mostly my sleep-deprived brain trying to make sense of the world around me. I asked how the family was doing and they asked how I was feeling and told me how skinny I looked and kidding me about having some kind of bed life from the hostile beds of Europe. It was a car ride full of nervous laughter, an expression of the relief we all felt. Relief on their part was obvious, I was home safe, but my relief came from making it all those miles back to the sanctity and normalcy of my vision of home which had not been one ounce of feeling different. We arrived to my grandmother's house and I smelled the perfumes and pleasant odors of meals prepared perfectly and saw the antique cookware and pictures hanging on the walls, the same ones which had been hanging since I was born, and truly felt the adventure had ended. My brain wouldn't shut off as the clock neared midnight. I was jet-lagged, my eyes were burning, and I had been up for over 24 hours. All of us hugged tightly and departed for our rooms. They had given me the enormous king-size bed and I stripped down to my underwear, unclipped my long, greasy hair, and laid down stretching to eternity. 
I had not been in a bed even half that size for over three months. Grabbing my phone, I sent a few messages to friends, letting them know I had made it home safely, then switched to a timer app which I had started the minute I had left my grandmother's house to go to the train station three months earlier. Every minute of that clock had a memory attached to it. As I laid in that oversized bed, I looked back on each of those days with zero regret. Before I left, I told myself to take advantage of every day, every opportunity, always say yes to adventure and no to trepidation. I held myself accountable to those guidelines. As I laid in that bed looking into the darkness, I was overcome with the outcome. Immensely impressed at the adventure I'd undertaken and not at all saddened by being home. The clock kept counting as my thoughts veered from one extreme to the next until finally I stopped it. With a quick screen capture, I solidified my trip in a few simple numbers. The exact length of my European adventure, the one time in my life thus far where I allowed myself to be completely free and gave myself room to roam, was 94 days, 3 hours, 24 minutes, and 23 seconds. End of chapter.